Hey everybody, welcome back to the Duke Project. This is a special episode. This is our first guest. Sarah's not with me. I have my friend, Michael Ardeline. He goes by easy on the extras in this house. That's what you okay. are on my phone. <laughs> I don't know if it. you know that. You're in my, you're, I'm like, easy's coming. Um, Michael, thanks for joining us. If you're an active listener on our podcast, you heard me mention Michael last week. Then he turns out he's right around the corner today. We were like, we've got a minute. Let's do a podcast and talk about some stuff. So, Michael, thanks for jumping on our podcast. It's nice to be here, and thank you for the garage parking. Yeah, nice so, park. Michael, can, nice we, can we talk about your car for a second? That's like sure. great. If you follow Michael, obviously, that's, oh, so let's jump there. So that's, we were trying to figure out right before we went live. I don't even know how we met, like, I, on Instagram, me and Michael don't go way back, maybe 18 months. Yeah, something like that. As a grown man, it's kind of funny how many of my friends and actual real friends, close friends, are from Instagram. Dude, it's, it's kind of weird because that's all mine. Like, like <laughs> all my current adult friends like, are from that, where I'm like, yeah, like, Michael's in my house right now, and this is like our, I think it's our second time in person meeting. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So we've had phone calls, we DM, like we're dating, and... But, like, I think I was posting, like, book quotes at some point. I think I remember it actually vividly. I was just posting quotes because, you know, you mix up your Instagram. You're trying to, like, do whatever. And so I was posting, like, quotes. I think we were reading the same book. We're both dads, live in the same area. We like cars. I was like, oh. And then we started connecting. And then that was that. And now you're in the garage. Yes. If you like cars and post quotes from books, there's high probability we're going to be friends. 100%. So, yeah, what car? Well, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm not as much of a car junkie as you are. So give the listeners. It sounds amazing, and I love how it looks in the garage next to the dirt bike. Uh, so, which, Sarah, when you listen to this, before Michael leaves, we'll have you come look at the garage. We'll mic the, we'll mic the startup. Oh, we should. <laughs> we should do that. Okay, we will do that. It's Maybe not- I'll intro the pod like that. Hey everybody, welcome to the Duke Project, and this week, we'll, yeah, we'll actually do that, or I'll give no context, and then just crank it, there that'll we go. be cool. Uh, yeah, it's an Aston Martin V12 Vantage, it's eight years old, and that's why it sounds so good, because, you know, emissions laws and everything else yeah. have kind of made the naturally aspirated V12 sort of obsolete, but... That's what it is, and if, if you're okay with six miles per gallon, you, <laughs> you can drive Dude, it sounds incredible. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. So I haven't updated my listeners. Our podcast is kind of like our vlog, so we just jump around. I sold my three series, but and I'll get into that in another episode, and you guys will be seeing all my rentals for the next couple months. But like that was a really fast car, but it was quiet. You know, super quiet, inline-six turbocharged. So it just like... It had great punch, but it's not like even cars 10 years ago of like really roaring. I mean, you can get them loud, but it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like a, a big engine like that at all. So it's, it's totally different. When you came yeah. around the corner, I was Most like, new oh. cars, even Ferraris, like the newest, newest ones, they'll all, they, they kind of always have a model in the range that's um, a nod to, you know, the, the new SUV, actually, the, or the passenger car they're making is a naturally aspirated V12. But, like, the fastest Ferrari, whatever, the SF90, it's like they're getting quieter. They're, they're getting, getting quieter. More, yeah, efficient. Yeah, it's interesting, which I think is, you know, obviously a lot of perks to that. And there's also, you know, the enthusiast that can be like, oh, man, even my dirt bike. Like, that's a street-legal dirt bike, but it's – and California even makes it more strict on certain stuff, too, where that yeah. bike, it's – 
like red sticker dirt bikes, even on public land, they're trying to like get rid of them altogether. Yeah. Like you can't take a motocross bike, supposedly, allegedly, on like public land. Like Joshua Tree has to be a green sticker or a street legal dirt bike like mine. So even when I was buying that bike, they were I was looking at like track bike motocross bikes and they were like no don't do, where are you gonna ride and i was like telling they're like no you need to get like a street legal bike mm -hmm. because it all the emissions the muffler's quiet it's still loud but it's not compared to like when you're at a motocross track which motocross outdoor starts this saturday down at fox raceway mm -hmm. um which i might go to take pictures i think we're probably getting close to an era where cars will be the same way like the only time i you drive, like maybe within our lifetime the only driving we do will be on a closed track and instead of like as transportation and i try not to get too upset about the future i just try to enjoy <laughs> what we have right now I totally mean, people are people are mad about trying to save the manuals or save the v12s or whatever but like you can go out and bring a trailer right now and there's a wide variety uh, of yeah. <laughs> pre-owned v12s available for purchase and it depends on where you live like we live in an area where that's going to be more of an issue i mean you right. know, it, i grew up in georgia area. like i mean there's not going to outlaw any manuals in georgia anytime soon <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like my grandpa's still putting around in his 1990 90 Chevy 1500 and uh it's not good for the environment but he also is working on 200 acres you know it's not well, there's, like, an, there's an argument that it is good for the environment yeah that's fair you know, because the to, to get something for, I mean I this is like maybe a sidebar but like we, there's I've come from the fashion space where people talk about sustainability but yeah. I think desirability is probably the number one that's component a, of that's sustainability like mm. if you create something that nobody will ever throw away then that's good. That's sustainable. I mean, I read somebody did a study on the average collector car, not collector car, but like third car that like a mm. guy who likes cars will have outside of his date. Like maybe, maybe you have your car, your wife's car, and then your third car is your fun car. Yeah. That fun car is generally driven, um, whatever, 1300 miles a year and is a gas guzzler. Yeah. You would have to drive it for 47 years before you created as much CO2 as the manufacturer the one of one single Tesla. Yeah, that's interesting. Not even driving and owning a Tesla, just manufacturing it. Yeah, that's interesting. Which in itself was designed to become obsolete in a few years and be replaced by another one that will yeah. create even more It's CO2. not built for longevity. Yeah, which means, yeah, so like it's the funny thing is like people talk about quality as a concept of sustainability too. Yeah. But I think desirability is more powerful That's than quality. Cause look at Land Rover. Yeah. <laughs> like a Range Rover classic, not a quality, not a quality piece of machinery, but a desirable one and enough so that people desirable. will preserve it. Yeah. I think I've told you this. Our digital Rover logo is roughly based off oh, of nice. 1980. I was born in 88 it's it's our digital rover logo is an abstract side view of uh a range rover classic window thing and i made it like abstract so they would like wouldn't notice or whatever we had an 88 range rover that was my wife dude that's what i like at some point that's what you know, i sold the three series and you know i haven't dropped all the news to Syria yet what i'm really eyeing you know? so <laughs> you come out and there's like a nice black the next time you're down here hopefully there's like a car that barely runs sitting out here and it's like oh that's my classic you know that's my that's my range yeah. rover um yeah, that's really fascinating. I love that segue. I think that even intro is kind of like what's cool about having you on the podcast. And that's what I've loved about, we'll jump into a lot of stuff you've been doing. That's what I love about your approach is easy on the extras, which you changed your Instagram handle. Now it's Michael Ardeline. Yeah, I still got the easy on the I extras I saw that handle. on another yeah. one. Yeah, I, I saw just kind of pressed pause on that because um, I'm just channeling my, my energy right now into intro. Totally. Um, so talk a little bit, I think that's a cool way and we could jump into your book, a little bit of your background. So easy on the extras has really been like, 
you know, I don't know how to categorize it for you, your theme, your thesis, you know, of like how and how your like belief system of like, even you talking about desirability, maybe touch on that a little bit as we like to begin our conversation, because I that that was my when I saw your page, I loved the minimal approach. I loved the philosophy. And it's very similar to our business of philosophy. It is a quality it is a desirability it is you've been writing on LinkedIn, which whoever gave you that advice to write on LinkedIn was, was awesome. <laughs> that was me, by the way, guys. Um, in our first meeting, I was like, dude, you should be writing on LinkedIn. And boom, here we are. So we're making we momentum are. right now. Here we are. This is big momentum. So who knows what happens next week? I'm podcasting, as like I said last next week. Next week, I'll be on TikTok. Next week, I'll be on TikTok. With, yeah, <laughs> most of our followers are from TikTok. Um, maybe me and Sarah make a TikTok in an Aston Martin next week. But yeah, so t- touch on that because, man, I, that is very counterculture right now of easy on the extras, quality approach, like this both like slow and fast pace and doing things with intentionality is a very big thing that I've caught from you, even the stuff you post and the way you approach things. And I, I, I just think it's a lost, like a lost art. And it's just not even desired. Like that's not a desire from people, like for the most part. And I, it's, it's been really cool even following your page and the stuff you share. So I'd love to have you touch on that on like what it means to you, how you came about that. And then, you know, we can kind of touch on your book and stuff from there. Like 20 years ago, <clears throat> I, I stumbled across some interior design magazines and became obsessed with certain, the aesthetic of a very minimalist and that like mm. well done. And obviously that doesn't work uh, unless you have, you know, if, if your coffee table is the only thing in the room, then it's got to be like a beautiful coffee table, right? But for me as a broke uh, BMXer, <laughs> yeah. what it meant for me is like I just got rid of most of the stuff in my house and I, um, you know, I went from there. And I, I, that just appealed to me as, a, as an aesthetic. A lot of people talk about it as a, as a functional way of life which i think is super boring but mm. also you know yeah. it, it's effective but like minimalism isn't interesting to me except for how except for because it's sexy yeah so I see that's cool design objects homes cars chairs whatever it is um usually the least fussy version is the one i'm attracted to i don't have a deep philosophical explanation for it other yeah. than like you know in, in this in this time that we're living in we have access to all of the information and all of the things in the world, and it's not necessarily better for us. Yeah. So um, kind of deciding what you want in your life, and, and and I don't think you have to make a decision and stick to it forever, but if you kind of have, you know, I had a, a one-in, one-out rule in my apartment a while, like a long time ago. I was like, if I want to get something new, something else has to get thrown away. Yeah, that's interesting. So like purging, I mean, how like you ever just purge and it just feels great? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's... That's fascinating because when we moved out here, we went through that. So five years ago when we moved to California, we sold everything and everything fit. We owned fit in one like eight by eight container and the back of my Tacoma. And we drove that across the country and I shipped the other thing. And that was it. It was like our kids' cribs. We get we got rid of our mattress. We got rid of everything and started over. You can see the garage. We've obviously accumulated uh, more and more as the kids get older. Yeah, I'd be curious to see as your as your daughter gets older. Oh yeah, he, it's already happening. They always they impact. <laughs> we moved into. You saw a, that alligator when you came in in the oh, back, yeah. the big float. Yeah. Yeah, we have we, our house now is. is has an entire section of it. That yeah, it's is, just the uh, kids' space. Well, it's also like we have this giant kind of basement that can be used for storage and that's great but it's also a curse because if, yeah, you, if totally. you have room for it you will accumulate you will it. accumulate yeah that's fascinating even for us like as our kids get older we often talk about we were talking about homes earlier 
it's one of the reasons we don't want to make like permanent decision while our kids are young. Cause when they get out of the house, me and Sarah, we're like, do we want to go back to small? Like mm -hmm. every time me and her travel together, we're always like, we just went to San Clemente for mother's day. And we got this like, really, it's so fun as a family. When you go smaller, it feels better to oh, downsize. Yeah, you go, did you read? Oh, it's so nice. You know, are you guys reading the Kevin Kelly book, the excellent advice book? It's saved because I saw it on your story, but I haven't read oh, cool. it yet. I mean, there's one that I remember him saying before on his blog, which is the, the, quality the enjoyment the enjoyment of your travel is inversely proportional to the size of your luggage which oh, you could also just apply to life I mean, yeah you ever like that feeling when you walk into a hotel room like why is it so great it's so great because none of your shit is there yeah nothing's <laughs> in there yeah that's so true even me and my son we slept on a pullout couch yeah. you know and it was like we listened to the ocean all night it was crazy and the dog was on there and the, the girls were in the other room and we were just vibe and it was so peaceful like it was mm -hmm. it was less you know and you've seen our living room the most we have in there's like plants and there's like legos you know we we always try to same kind of thing we i like what you said it's not really about like aesthetic i mean I, what did you say say that again to me you, said, you mentioned it wasn't just about like it being boring or whatever yeah, it wasn't I mean, like a like deep a philosophical very, approach to yeah, it. there's really, like a, there's philosophical and there's very functional reasons to kind of try to apply minimalism to your life those are all great but yeah. that wasn't why it appealed to me. Yeah, like those that's were so side interesting. Benefits, you know, I think it just the um, it doesn't mean I like everything slick and white and new. Do you think that only happens after you've accumulated stuff you don't need? Like, do you think because I feel like I went through that, but it wasn't until like I mentioned earlier, me and her bought a house when we were really young, and we like did those things, and now I don't have a desire to like put down roots per se like I used to, and like accumulate like like the American dream of how I used to think about, we got married really young. So I remember we got married at 21. We bought a house at 23. We had our jobs and we were like, I remember how bored we felt. Like yeah. kind of what you're saying, we were bored with our life, yeah. like at 24, 25. And our listeners like have heard some of that story, but I remember how bored I felt at 24, 25 because we got married young, had the jobs. And I was like, dude, is this fucking it? <laughs> like I just sit around and accumulate shit for the rest of my life. And it's just like, and it was, we were broke at the time too. So it wasn't like any of it was nice, you know? So it was like, and we kept that we've actually been like cutting out ever since then and, and making it like clear and concise the more you know we move through stuff it's been really fascinating like do you think people get there like the other way you know how you only learn from your mistakes where it's one of those things like that's that's fast i feel like people will go through that but i don't meet a lot of people that go through it where you it seemed like more of like a preference where it it seems like also maybe it has to do with your bmx background you know you took risk jump into that you came out you came out here i don't do you think it has to do with like what do you think that comes from and how do you think people get there in the sense of like and maybe some people don't desire that too of like well, uh, you know the real answer to your previous question actually was 2004 i got my first pro model first and only pro model bmx bike. so your background you were bmx for our listeners bmx pro road bmx bikes first paying sponsor i got i left michigan i came to california um, eight mile i went yeah yeah, yeah. I went from six, it, like in a six month period, I went from living in my parents' basement with posters of my favorite BMXers on the wall yeah. to having like a good number of those guys be my good friends and roommates. That's wild. Yeah. It was a, it was a quick transition to like a completely different life where all of a sudden anything that you, almost anything that you could have imagined is like, is, is a potential possibility in the world. And so like wow. I came out here and did that. But in 04, I got a, this this brand called volume bikes, my friend, Brian Castillo gave me the opportunity to design my own bike. And basically that bike design was the lightest and most minimal <laughs> bike that had that at that point BMX had seen yet. 
and there were some compromises. It didn't. It mm. wasn't like going to be the strongest bike for a, a 300 pound guy to jump off the building with. Sure. And it definitely it didn't have brake mounts. It didn't have a lot of things that a lot of people wanted. But hidden in the graphic was the term "easy on the extras." Oh that wow! Dude, I did not like, know that. That is epic. Yeah, so that um, that phrase is 19 years old, and uh, I just stuck with it, or it stuck with me, I guess. That's really rad. Wow, dude, that's so cool. Do you have one of those bikes still? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, house? Brian was kind enough to send me one or two of them. I have them, um, speaking of accumulating things, yeah. I, I do have one on display at home. And yeah, and but that whole philosophy also is just more about like being a little choosier about what you want to keep around you. I think the... Yeah, that's... the. Like I'm no far be it for me to diagnose like the hoarder's disease, but I've had it <laughs> yeah, sure. explained to me yeah. as like, oh, this person has stacks of newspapers in their car up to their windshield because like there's something inherent about having things, even if those things don't have much value. Like since toddlers were yeah. we're taught that like if you can have something, you want to accumulate more of it. Yeah, you want to take the thing that your friend has or that you want them to share it with you or whatever. And I think like that plagues every so socioeconomic level. Like you ever, yeah. you know, I grew up in a place where people would have three cars on their front lawn and none of them ran. Yes, you know, sure. uh -huh. and then all the way up to the richest of the rich, where like the you know fifty or sixty car like Ferrari collections or watch yeah. collections. It's like it's all the same. Mentality. It's a whole spectrum. It's just like having a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's interesting because I think one thing that's connected us is even for our business, like, and, and yours, it seems like you, we, we're very choosy. I don't just say yes to everything. It's, you have to be very, I mean, I have two kids. We homeschool. It's one wrong yes throws the system off in our house. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, you know, it's why Sarah's not on the podcast and Nanny's not available. Like, there's a connection dot of, like, your decisions. And I think when you get choosy... Do you think that getting choosy, we have found this, it, it like almost increases our responsibility of our decisions. Now I can't deflect. Well, like, well, this is your fault. This is your fault. Like as an agency owner, as a parent, like if I'm not almost like aware of some of my decisions, they end up like, I end up biting myself sometimes where it's like, oh man, this might not have been good for me, but I wasn't aware of it. And I was just kind of like mundanely purchasing things or not being, it, say, and I went through this when our business started where you, I had, I felt like I had to say yes. It's like counterintuitive because now I don't feel that. But at the beginning of an agency, I'm like, I'm saying yes to every photography gig I possibly can because I'm like, dude, I just got to pay the bills, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and now there's a time for that. There right? is a like time for that. Being choosy is a luxury. Yeah, right. and I think that's an important message because there's a lot of creatives that will listen to this. And I think that's okay. And then you slowly like, there's a lot of stuff in there that's in your in your book. But yeah, it's, it's a weird transition when you start to get that of like, oh man, I'm saying yes to whatever I got to do versus like, I'm saying no to opportunities because they don't align with like, how my life is or my, or how that made me even feel, you know, like I walked away, you know, from a sales pitch or I'm chatting with somebody and it's just like, ah, that felt weird. Like, I don't like how it feels. I don't think they'll be easy to work with. And it doesn't mean they'll be difficult for everybody, but for me, it's difficult, you know, like I didn't like how that, I don't think they'll fit into our ecosystem of mm -hmm. how, and I have to be very choosy as a dad, almost more of an entrepreneur. Cause I'm like, that if I'm traveling too much, I don't like, I like being home. I'm a homebody. So when I travel, I'm like, I'm a high extrovert. But when I travel, it still drains me. I come back. I'm like, dude, I want to be by the pool. I want to chill. Yeah. I want to ride the dirt bike. I don't want to do a lot. I just want to do my stuff. I mm -hmm. want my, this is my time, you know? So I don't like people like, oh, you know, and it's weird because five years ago, 
someone would be like, hey, we need to come out here. And I'd be like geeked out. And now I'm like, if I've traveled too much, I'm like, no, that sounds like a burden. It could be the coolest city in the world. But if I come back from a trip, I'm like, no, dude, the weather's great in Joshua Tree. I'm going to go ride. Like it feels like, and that is a, definitely a luxury, but. Yeah. Uh, it comes in waves for me. I went to yeah. New York last January and realized I hadn't been there in a couple of years. And I was yeah. like, oh, I need to, I want to be here every quarter. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's a, it, if you haven't done something for a while, you want to start doing it. Dude. And then that's, that's so interesting, but that's my like same kind of thing. It's like, I'll do, I'll do something after not doing it for a while. And then I'm like, dude, I got to move here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I overreact so fast where like my last, I go to San Francisco a lot, two trips ago, I end up touring like a studio apartment. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing in here? <laughs> like, I'm not, my, my family doesn't even fit in this thing. Like, I had one of those like Murphy bed things that like came down. I'm oh, like, yeah. no, I do, we're moving in. Mm-hmm. We're going from a three story townhome. I'm going to the studio apartment. This is going to be great. Like, and I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't want this. I'm leaving. You know, yeah. like, I just get caught up and I'm just It's the curious. need for novelty, right? Like, human yeah. beings. Like, you could say, like, you could talk about selling your entire, or donating your entire wardrobe and buying four white t-shirts and two suits. But, like, even that will get old in two weeks. 100%. And you'll need more novelty. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, you just, it's balance. Yeah, it is a balance, for sure. Because I, I have found that, like, so I'm driving back from L.A. last night. This is a cool, this is a cool segue to this. Because I, I was telling Sarah this this morning. Five years ago, I remember driving back from L.A. I'd be curious to hear your comment on this. Where, like, do you remember the first time you came to L.A.? Was it, like, larger than life for you? You know, where Absolutely. you're like, it's yeah. L.A. Yeah. And now, I, did, I was thinking about last night where I was like, this is just a normal, successful night for me. I did a photo shoot. I'm in Los Angeles. And it didn't feel, like, it wasn't lost on me how far I've come. But it was really a cool moment where I told her last night, I was like, I feel very grounded in who I am as, like, a business owner now. Where five years ago, I used to come back from that shoot and go, Hey, we sh- we're sh- we're working in Los Angeles. Can you believe that? Yeah. And now I'm like complaining about Los Angeles. You know, <laughs> like like oh man, I'm sitting in traffic. Yeah. Or oh man, like it's so busy. Or oh man, like someone That's, almost stole my camera last night you know like it's like advancement is just upgrading your problems yeah it's a, that's a great way of <laughs> so like now now that. we get to complain about la yeah you know how well, amazing how is successful that? are we now it's so cool it was cool though because i had a moment where i'm like driving back and i was just still so appreciative of that balance concept and i hate the word balance i don't know if you've ever heard me i just like because i'm an all-in type of guy and that's why i need balance but i was like i was so caught in a spot last night where i was like i was listening to no like i wasn't listening to any music i was just driving and i was like looking at all the traffic i was like this is such a cool thing that i've like what we've pulled off and in the same in the same thing i am like all right man i want to grow the business to the next thing you know i want to it's always that balance of like all right i want to scale it i want to do this and i want this type of work um my buddy jesse uh, months ago we were talking he, and he's really big on this concept of he's like I hate work-life balance I like work-life integration mm, and again, again like this is this is a luxury or, or really something we could hopefully all aspire to like loving our work yeah but um, I think the topic of work-life balance is a uh, is a little misdirected because like we're what is work it's like it is hopefully if you love it it's strategizing and thinking and then it's executing so when it comes to executing i absolutely want balance i want like three hours a day where i'm executing at an explosive level yeah and then the but the rest of the time i don't care if i'm sitting by the pool in palm springs or if i'm driving or whatever like your mind unless you're meditating like your mind is always the best ideas are coming to you in those moments so like that's work too so if you're fortunate enough to be doing something you're good at and you enjoy yeah your work-life balance is like uh it's different is an oversimplification 
Yeah, that's a good way of viewing it. I think too, I've touched on this before on our TikTok lives that I think people get caught up in this idea of like purpose with their work and like, and it, I don't know, I get, I get where I don't know, like, cause I don't know if I feel purpose as a photographer. I think I'm really good at photography. It feels like an artistic expression, but like, I'm also kind of like, I'm just an entrepreneur. I think that's more of like the category I'm in. So it's like if the medium changes tomorrow and like some new tech comes out, I'm going to learn it. I think I'm studying AI right now and trying to learn it. So I, I think sometimes like when people, I, my background's higher education, I would meet with a 20 something. They're like, I just got to find my dream job. I'm like, you're 20. You're <laughs> yeah. like, you're, you're 20. Even, yeah. at, even at 35, like I want my company to change. I don't know at 45 and 55 if I want to be, doing the shoot I did last night. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, my, that sounds so boring where I don't, there's this concept of like, if you're not talking about evolving and not talking about like, not even evolving, that, that feels too buzzy too. Of just like my interests change, my desires change, my skill set change. I outgrow, I outgrow ideas. Like to think that at 23, I'm going to have some idea or even 29, 30. I mean, I didn't start my business until I was 30. So it's like, mm-hmm. and everything I did in my 20s, I knew the whole way in my 20s. I was like, I don't know you know, this stuff's fine. It pays the bills. And I was just learning a lot. And I knew that was valuable. And I think people forget, like, if you're learning, even if you're learning from your boss's mistakes or how not to be an asshole, that's still valuable lessons that apply into whatever you decide to do next, you know? Agreed. Purpose probably can be found in, like, just being good at something. Yeah, just get good at something. And that's it, a better... Me- just get good at something. And, it, and Who if cares you get what to the it point is? where it's boring, go learn go to, and get good at yeah. something else. Just the... I, it was so funny. I, I was talking with a friend this morning who was a highly accomplished you know, leading a, a close to a billion dollar business and um, was just kind of rhetorically asking, like, I wonder, I'm not sure exactly if there's enough purpose in this for me. And his track record is like, he goes into businesses and doubles their revenue in two and a mm. half years and enriches a lot of people's lives through leadership and everything else and then moves on and does it again. And I just asked him, like, may, you know, is there purpose in just being in this like doing what you were put here to do, like yeah, doing being really good at this thing in a way that inspires everybody around you, yeah. And maybe there's something to you know with that was something to think about for sure. Yeah, that's fun. It's in so to touch on your book. That's in your book. I want to. There's a so Michael also wrote a book. That's how we connected too. So if you are a creative, I don't even think if you're a creative. I think if you are. It's a good book. There is philosophy in here about like approach to your work and your craft. And you mentioned this. Uh, hold on, I don't have a mic stand. Here we go. I've marked. You said here. This is kind of what you listen to. Entire books have been written about voice and body language, and I'm no expert, but I know a hack. Have fun. And this is in chapter eleven about. And this little sub point is called network like hell. And so it's like even that guy. It's like what you're saying to him is like, dude, have fun. You know. And here you're talking about. You talked about this in your LinkedIn article too. Um, it says freelance success is as much about how you deal with people as it is any artistic talent you possess. And this book is called, I'm going to link it in the description. It's called Art for Money, Up Your Freelance Game and Get Paid What You're Worth. Michael sent us this book right when we connected, and I loved it because we we kind of used it as like a checkpoint for us, like contracts. It was like, oh, there was because there was information where we even like broke down stuff, when to do discounts, how to make sure your hourly rate's good, like a lot of practical information in here. But I like that approach because you I love how you make that simple and even you talked about in your LinkedIn article which I talked about last week or it might have been the one before that I didn't talk about about having fun like how to how to have options is 
to be human. And so that guy, it's crazy. I think we can get blinded by our own success where it's like, dude, you're literally like have like a world-class talent and you come in and it's probably like effortless for you. You know what I mean? Like you're breathing and you're doubling businesses, revenue, connecting with people, empowering them. And it's just like, eh, we can get so like blinded by just like, dude, I just want to have fun. You know, I just want to like connect with people in that way. Yeah, I. It's ironic that the title of that chapter has the word networking in it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I think that like if you're networking is what happens when you're not having fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> it's maybe like, that says network like hell because yeah. as I was like in hell, maybe <laughs> hell is just one big networking. Yeah, event. I think networking is like going to an event oh. with some specific intention. Sure, sure. Um, my that's entire funny. life has just been a string of really good luck that I happen to be prepared for, and I was a little bit more prepared for each one. You know what I mean? Sure. Like as it because the first couple times I had good luck and wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be or had an opportunity, it taught me, oh, be more prepared for the next one. And what is that? It's like Virgil Abloh had the best quote about this, which is like, I believe in coincidence, but coincidence is just energies moving toward each other. You have to be moving to get it. Like you have to be moving to be a victim of good luck. Yeah. Touch on that more. Cause that, so that's the question I've been getting last several podcasts. We talked about it last week. So I, I talked about the interview I had. I met with that guy last week. He's getting right. a proposal this week from the guy I interviewed with seven years ago where they offer me the VP job. I have no idea what I'm doing. But I was just taking action. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, you're a, you're a former BMX guy. Most of you know this. I was a professional kayak fisherman in Florida. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was shooting a design event last night, 41 floors up, overlooking. It'll always be called the Staples Centers. I will never call it Crypto.com Arena. <laughs> I was overlooking Staples, 41 floors up, with my childhood best friend, who's one of the like regional vice presidents. And you're kind of like, well, how in the fuck did I get and here? And you couldn't have predicted it. And if Impossible. you would have tried specifically to create that moment in your life, it wouldn't have happened. And that's why like, I think people misinterpret. Like, just be moving in a general Just direction. be moving. Moving towards Dude, that's so something fucking that's good. interesting to you. And what's really actually going to happen is going to be a surprise that you never could have predicted. Be surprised. Fuck, yeah. dude. That's it. Cause that, so I get asked that question, and there isn't a formula. There isn't like, even when my clients ask me, Josh, how are you going to grow on social media? I'm like, oh, we got to get to know each other. We just got to get posting and get active and see mm-hmm. what happens. I met you because I was active. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that you can make a reason. plan. Planning's great. Yeah, I, I make a plan for everything, and then I fully expect that plan to get hijacked or adjusted. And I think if least. it gets hijacked, that probably means you did something right in the sense of like, I took action, received the data, and was like, that didn't go how I thought. Yeah. So now I've got new information, and I need to <laughs> yeah. adjust accordingly. Dude, I, so my buddy Scott Roslin. Um, has an agency in New York called We Are Bill. And lately on LinkedIn... I followed him on LinkedIn. Yeah, he's yeah. been telling the story of his first few clients. Dude, it's rad. It's very cool. I don't know him. I saw him on your article, saw his page, like, oh, it's kind of cool. He's got yeah. a way bigger agency than mine. So I'm always, I'm learning too. So I was like, oh, this is rad. He and I used to work together in like 2014 and 15 at Alternative Apparel. We stayed close. We, we now run service businesses like you do. And he's had a lot of success. And he talks about that. Um, what... Tr- what kind of registered with me was that the first couple clients he had, he hadn't even organized his business yet. He didn't have like a specific outline of scope. He didn't have a name or a website. The yeah. same thing happened to me. Yeah. I had a business partner at a, at a point who was kind of like dragging his feet on what we should be named or whatever. So that wasn't happening yet. And then like, I was very worried about that. I was like, we got to get our accounting. We got to get our website. We got to form our LLC, whatever. And then somebody hired me. Yeah, sure. And then it was like the only thing that mattered was delivering. 100%. For, and my first client was Adidas, or it was Adidas's licensee, like to find them a designer. Um, 
for their accessories division. And that was a big enough deal that I dropped everything else and sure. went and did. And then going and actually doing that and delivering that designer was the thing that taught me how to do the thing that I said I was going to do. Yeah. And it's the same thing for Scott. Like he, he, he delivered impeccably for the client. And we joke that like, you don't get to have a service business until someone comes to you and asks you for the thing. Yeah. You know, instead of like navel gazing, like what yeah. am I good at? It's like, well, what you're good at is probably like the thing people are asking you for. Yeah. That's a good point. Do you think, God, that's so fucking good. We just got to, we got to re-listen to that section <laughs> process. Um, yeah, I think, I think, and I think too, so I think like, I think some people don't realize, I, I have noticed, again, I have a huge TikTok following and it's a lot of younger people on there. And I think sometimes they have a hard time, people do, saying, I don't think this is actually a, a youthful thing. People have a hard time maybe identifying what their strengths are. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm good at this. And I think what you just said is a massive point of, well, what are people asking you? Like even at your job, like, what are people asking you for? Are you what are you known for at work? Is mm -hmm. a good way to indicate like to really be like affirm yourself of like oh this is like I'm this type of person I'm this type of person and be careful that exercise because you could be the person that like people are like oh yeah don't talk to Josh you know what I mean like he doesn't get anything done you know what I mean like like realizing what you could be good at. Well, I think you know there's a lot of discussion about the journey versus the destination but yeah sure there's so much truth in it like the another amazing quote from the kevin kelly book is just he talks about this idea that the day you the day before you die you'll be you'll in an ideal scenario and yeah. the day before you die would be the day that you become your most complete self like you became mm. a complete person meaning that the entirety of your life is moving towards you know, he's in his early 70s and still mm. asking himself that question. What am I good at? What am I, what wow, is the thing I'm here for? You started your business at 31. I started mine at 41. Yeah. And I'm feeling way more at home. I'm four years deep in it. I'm way, I'm way more at home in terms of being in my skill set, loving every minute of what I do. But I fully accept that like 10 years from now, I might be doing something. Totally that's different. A version of this. Yeah. Like the that, next iteration. Yeah, and the exactly. next iteration. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And don't even like that's more freeing though, isn't it? <laughs> it's way more freeing because again, you're just following where what what triggers you, what gets you excited. Yeah, what's interesting. I mean, and to pose that question to an 18 year old and make them choose uh, and spend and take take out six figures of debt to go make a decision in that uncertainty will obviously be reversed later is 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 a really difficult place to put a put a person in. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, it's crazy because you know my kids are eight and six now, and like by the time they get to college, it's like, dude, the landscape of like the even now of what the job market is, it's like none of the stuff I'm doing now I went to school for. The flip side is I learned a lot in school, but I, you know, it's also like that was the traditional path that you went down, and like, dude, my son like is understands photography we have his little youtube channel he understands gaming he understands nature me and him are camping next week you know it's like it's all these interests and i'm trying to create an environment where dude let's just be like i told you my xbox is right here i've got that's a streaming thing right there like do whatever he wants i just want to be all in on it and next week he might be like dad i think i could be a professional soccer player like kids just change their mind on a whim they had soccer this morning you know and he's like dude i, I think i could be leono yeah. messi you know like you're like all so, right well we used to be so limited in our options like yeah. somebody said recently i think it was like five there were 500 careers in our parents generation and now there's 400,000 careers and, and uh and growing and so there's so many different niches that you could service and I so push that a lot, man. I tell people I'm like I said on the last thing, I'm like, dude, you need like if someone like 
it happens a lot where I'm like, dude, if you got five, I got a friend the other day call me in the design space, interior design space, and everywhere he goes, his work goes with him. And he's frustrated because he keeps trying to climb corporate ladders. And I was like, do you know, realize you have 10 clients that would pay you directly? Like you could just start tomorrow with your 10 people and you could rep whatever line you want to rep. And yeah. you'd be set. You'd make more money. You'd have no boss. But it's like that's still foreign to people. Like, dude, if you have people asking you, that's your – you have one asking you. It's an indicator. Mm-hmm. I will never forget the first client that paid us. Like once that happened, it broke my brain. I will yeah. never – I because I had a full-time job. I'm running social media for a canoe paddle company in Wisconsin – and I'm in Florida and I'm running, I'm posting for them on social media and they're paying me a thousand dollars a month. And I was like, I'm the richest guy in central Florida. Mm-hmm. Cause I have a side hustle. You know, you don't know. You maybe I, were. <laughs> I might've been. <laughs> so, and I'm, that quit my job because of that. Like sick, that broke mm. my brain. Like yeah. my brain was my, my like whole body was like, dude. Yeah. I got laid off in 2015 and I, it was from a job that, again, was like this amazing stroke of luck that I had to, and I really had to rise to that occasion to fill that, to fill the shoes for that job. And I did reasonably well, and then some sh- some changes happened, and then I was gone. So in my, my, my whole team and I were laid off. So in my head, I'm like, oh, well, I got to go get another job just like this one. Mm. So in the meantime, I will do some contract work, some consulting, whatever. Never letting myself believe that maybe the contract work or consulting work would be the thing that would, you know, but it did become the thing and, yeah. and I never went back to my, for me, it was the third client. When that third client pays you, then you're like, Oh yeah. It depends on the ticket size of whatever consulting you're doing. Sure. But for me, it was like when the third client paid me, then I was like, okay, I've now I've, I've replaced, if I can continue this, I can replace my income. Yeah. Um, but you know, now, as you know, I have a, a recruiting firm that my entire life is, my entire life is professional advancement. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's freelance via that, you know, the book it's, um, it's employment is another great way to do it. It's up to everybody how long they want to stay in employment. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who are employed, uh, at a level that they're very, um, gratified by. And, totally. and it's, there's anything advancements, advancement. Yeah. And so I think this, you and I talk a lot about micro businesses and service businesses and building our own things. And I think, there's just, there's no one solution for everybody no, not as long at as you're all. growing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the flip side is I, you know, I met like a lady last night and she's got a small rep group represents like interior design lines and she was high on life. I mean, she'd love what she was like. I want you to partner with us. And I, and she's got a way smaller budget than what I, and I know that, you know, she was sharing stuff with me and I was like, but I want to help her because she was cool and the energy was great. And like, it was cool. I didn't realize that she, this part, an important part of the story. She met me six years ago when I first moved out to this area. And I was a little huskier then. And, you know, I was like really stressed out. And she was like, you look amazing. And I was like, well, <laughs> what, what can I say? You know, yeah. it's, the, it's the LA it's sunshine. It's family life. You yeah. come here and it's the reverse happens. Like you're supposed to, you're supposed <laughs> she to get She literally complimented my skin. And I was yeah. like, well, I don't, I don't, yeah. I just go to the pool every day. Like, I don't know. You're supposed to get out of shape when you start a family, Josh. You know, you're doing Dude, I'm really fit, man. It's backwards. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I, I think, tell me if you went to this. I remember when I quit my job, I was like, oh, dude, everyone's got to be an entrepreneur. You know, I went through this, course, like, I went through this kick where I was like, 
oh no, dude, entrepreneur's the way. And then I was like, oh wow. Then you, then I had some major losses and mm-hmm. I was like, mm. <laughs> like maybe even for me, I remember like, dude, part of our story of how we even got into homeschool was I didn't know if we were going to make it. Like as confident as I am, as much shit as I talk, I didn't have a large window and I didn't want to put my kids in like a pre-k thing and yank them out. So I was like, we're social. We'll just meet people. Found a cool cohort homeschool thing. But I was like, dude, my backup plan was like, maybe I call that interview guy again and be like, Hey man, you know, like it's funny. My neighbor just texted me. How much you want to bet? He's the car guy. <laughs> Yo, whose Aston is that? <laughs> he just texted me with a heart, with a uh, heart face. We'll have to, you'll have to see his uh, GT4 before we leave. Nice. Um, that's whole as soon as he texted me i knew he was gonna say but i remember going through that where the real fear is because i mean my my kids were three and or two and under she was like six months and i remember feeling that real fear of like dude i really might not make make this mm-hmm. and uh that was i would i just can still remember those feelings like they were yesterday of just like that anxiety of like dude this is this is scary you know and and i think sometimes i like it's easy to lose the empathy even for myself looking back of like, dude, that was pretty reckless. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when I look back at like moving across the country. Oh man. Yeah. If, you, if I would have sat and done the math on moving to LA, oh, I would I never would have come. No, ever. I was too young and too dumb to have done that. Sure. And thank God. Right? Yeah, 100%. Because you, you know, when you, you get somewhere where there's opportunity and you, you start making opportunity. And you, yeah. if, you, if you are too mathematical about that, you'll never make you'll, those decisions. Get it done. I tell people a lot before, like if you're thinking about jumping, whatever jumping means, even if it's asking for a promotion at work, like whatever it is, I always try to view it as like a puzzle and you just understand the puzzle you're going to get is not going to have all the pieces. And everyone's like threshold on what they jump is, is different. So it d- depends on how much of the puzzle. That's my neighbor's M3. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's leaving. Um, but it depends. So like for me, I, I'm not like risk adverse. So I was like, I don't need much of the puzzle. So if it's a 500 piece puzzle, I'll jump at 50, you know, where mm-hmm. some people, and the higher that is, is almost like an indicator. I've wrote about this where it's almost like an indicator of where you can jump or if you're ever going to, mm-hmm. like for some people, if you need 400 out of the 500, you're probably going to feel more happy and more successful and more advanced in climbing some sort of like ladder and be developing or, you know, whatever, if you're like, you know, my wife is not risk averse at all. Like she would never have done this without me. She'll tell me mm-hmm. that, but I wouldn't have done it without her because I'm not a number cruncher. You so she's funny. like, no, I need you to take risk and I need you to keep me safe, you know? Well, this this reminds me of another, like the older I get, the more I, the more credit I give to my BMX background um, because people used to say, dude, you are crazy. You are going eight feet above that eight foot. Like, <laughs> sure. How did you ever get so crazy in the head that you would go do that? And I'm like, well, you didn't see the six months of me incrementally mm. going an inch higher, an inch yeah, higher, sure. an inch higher. It's not one giant risk. You don't just pedal your ass off at an eight foot ramp <laughs> yeah, and sure. see how high you can go. Yeah. <laughs> you take a series of smaller risks until yeah. you're comfortable with risk. Totally. And I'm a big believer in that. I think there was this really bad idea I bought in from social media that like, man, just fuck everything and quit your job. And I was like, no, have a plan. Like, and even like, again, if you're even like looking for advancement in your career, it's like, have a plan. Like Mm -hmm. the best thing is like how possible it is to do both. 
right? Like, 100%. I cannot take any credit for 2015 quitting my corporate job and going out and trying to figure out how to be self-employed. I got laid off. Like, <laughs> I had to yeah. wait until someone forced me into yeah, that situation. Yeah, that's a good point. That's interesting. But I think, like, so we, we get to meet. We, so we do executive and leadership recruiting, executive search. And we've found that, like, the, the more successful, and this is not a hard rule, but, sure. you know, as we get into this, the, these roles that – pay, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, six, eight, eight hundred thousand dollars, you start to meet those people. Those people are more generous with mm. their time. You know, like you, yeah, I make, you know, we'll get someone on the phone. That's a friend of a friend, right? Like, hey, or, or maybe we don't even know the person. And they're like, yeah, I make a hundred grand a year. I'm the SVP of marketing over here at blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but sure, here's my, I don't even need a calendar invite. Here's my phone number. Call me anytime. Oh, I'm not right for this role. Let me introduce you to five people. You Interesting. Know, contrast that to like some people in the more of like the cool kid space who are just super protective of their like much, much, much lower salary. Don't have, you know, don't have 10 minutes to talk or whatever. And it's very, like we get to meet these people who are, um, you you reminded me of this because we met someone the other day who does both. We were we were on a on a uh, PR search, so leading PR for a luxury brand. So we were talking to this PR leader for another luxury brand in Europe. Yeah, and she's um oh actually I have my own PR firm and I've had it for eleven years and I was so indispensable to this unnamed luxury brand in Europe that when they made me an offer, I said yes, but only if I can keep my firm. And so she, now she does both. Wow. And she makes seven figures a year and she wakes up every morning super excited. Yeah. And so it's like meeting those types of people. Like I, I didn't grow up in a household where excitement was attached to making money and how you can make money. Interesting. It was like making money was drudgery, you know, having mm. to, it's, it's something you had to do. And it was always about finding the minimum. And I'm not saying this is what my parents taught me. I'm just saying sure. like, I, I grew up in a kind of, fixed mindset environment or fixed mindset, maybe part of the country, let's say, where um, the work was something you had to do. Yeah. And then fun was how you escaped from that. Gotcha. And then, yeah, when, same. you know, how inspiring is it when you meet people who love every moment of what they do and make a ton of money? Yeah. This, uh, yeah. It's so fascinating. And getting here, maybe, maybe we can close touching on this. What's Naval say? I know we both read Naval. Uh, Become the best at your the world at what you do, and keep redefining what you do until that's true. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think that's what it is. Yeah. Like, and so, Kevin Kelly has a version: "Don't be the best. Don't seek to be the best. Seek to be the only." Oh, I saw you post it yeah. today, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. So different, you know. Like Naval's approach is more like niche down so hard that you are the best at this one specific thing. Whereas, like, okay, maybe Kevin Kelly or someone else might say, "Well, if you're doing something that everyone else also does." differentiate yeah be the only version of what what it is you do yeah that's so fascinating hmm. sorry i threw i threw you off your train of thought no I, i'm just sitting here staring in the corner thinking about it <laughs> yeah because I, I feel like that's so much of where i'm at now like we're in year six of our business and i've redefined myself where i can yeah it's different like i, I had three re- shoot requests come through this week you know, all referrals, all because I did something four years ago. And I, I think I'm now realizing the compound interest of like being oh, yeah. specific. And I didn't see that's It's been honestly like 
we've had very like, oh, wow, this feels different, where I've had to kind of change my approach of my business growth because now I didn't really think about what to do with my five years of business expertise. I was always like, well, this, this, this. And then all of a sudden, my email, like the emails just kept coming in, kept coming in. Like even since the last time we met, it's just been so busy. And I'm like, and it's all from previous work. And like now I just, it's like, this my circle connections have gotten so big of how mm-hmm. I've cross pollinated with people that it's like even in the room last night I just knew so many people I have like a hundred designers and I was like I knew half you know yeah. and I was like five years ago I knew none and that that whole concept to me has been very new to me where I feel almost like a fish out of water again like oh now I've got five years of a reputation and I've got to like this brand and this like idea and people know me and. Yeah, it was just a cool moment where I was like, oh, I think I've done what Naval and Kevin Kelly have. I think I've become this thing. It's very niche, like of like, did I, you know, I've shared this with you. Like, dude, we have like 15 rep groups around the country that we post for social media for. Dude, that, I was started with a canoe paddle company. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's an interesting point. And, and I am a work in progress and by no means have I arrived. But there is a moment when, when you look around at all of the abundance, whether it's people or clients mm-hmm. or, or revenue, and you you have to stop and think to trace it back to where it came from because yeah. it usually traces back to like actions you took six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, versus like you and I were talking before the recording about like people who feel stuck. Yeah. And sometimes if you feel stuck, there is a specific action you can take to get unstuck. Sure. But I think most of the time to get unstuck, you have to start a long series of actions that are building toward a compound result later. Yeah. And that's hard. That is hard to, to think. It's hard. It's daunting. I should say it's daunting to think about. And then one day you just arrive at it without, without, you know, realizing it. I think that's the advice for people then. Cause that's the advice you, what's all the, what's always the advice that doesn't feel good is the advice we need to hear. And it's like, Hey, if you're going to make a switch based on where you're at in your career, it could be a pretty daunting like transition. If you really do not even like become an entrepreneur, but like it could be really fast. Sometimes there's a clear action. Oh, call this guy, you know, call Josh, call my, call, you get a mutual connection. You can connect. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, tr- there's other, you'd have to like get on the path of change and it's very different. It can be very like, not everyone has to move across the country from Detroit or Georgia to LA. You know, that's very unique to us and our personalities. But I think in the, in, in people's own pursuit of like, it was cool. The last podcast I had a guy, I know you're listening and he, he called me. He was like, dude, I, I've always wanted to be a barber and I'm going to school this summer to go back to barber school. He's single dad. Has He's like, I don't want my kids to see me doing this job. I'm going to do it. Like, I, and he's keeping his job, but he wants to be a barber. And Amazing. he was like, when I'm done, and you're listening, so this will be documented because we'll have you on the podcast when you do this. He was like, when I'm done with school, I'm coming out and I'm giving you a haircut. Amazing. And I said, if you do that, I'll put you up in a hotel. You cover your flight, I'll cover the hotel. Committing to a future result. Commit, let's commit gonna to be, it. It's going to be hard to get to, and when he does, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I, like, it's so funny, like, total tangent here, but I, um, I still identify as this person. If you ask me who I am, like, there's an accomplishment from, it's been 12 years, like 12 years ago, where... I was in like a terrible financial state and I met and I was that, that financial state was perpetuating, you know, just the wrong income to lifestyle equation. Right. Yeah, so sure. like, <laughs> you got this, like this credit card debt that builds up to be more than, you know, a number that's higher than your annual income. And yeah, it starts sure. to get really scary, especially when your annual income is. That's fixed. a cool part of your story to hear too, because you know, now the book art for money, everything is opposite of that. Yeah. I want, to write about it. From... I want to write about it separately because no, no amount, no large sum of money 
um, can hold a candle to the moment that you make a decision to change your, your scenario. And this mm. to me was, was 12 years ago when that was my scenario. And I met the, the woman who would become my wife. And like that same week I was like, I need to become the type of person that she would be interested in. Not that she would only be interested in me because my financial situation was straight, sure. but I needed to become somebody where I could be transparent yeah. with her about my scenario and what actions I'm taking. And she would respect it. And so Dude, 15, it took me 15 minutes to create like a 12-cell spreadsheet, which was my action plan, my two-year action plan to get out of debt. Not only did I get out of debt, I by that time I was, you know, I saved I saved my debt snowball, or I paused my debt snowball to like save for an engagement ring, yeah, save yeah. cash for the wedding. We had no help on the wedding. We paid it for it ourselves and then paid off our student loans, moved into an apartment. Now, granted, I'm like 33 at this point yeah. and with no significant net worth, but I didn't owe anybody anything, yeah, it's and I powerful. felt so rich, and, th and yeah, that was two, that was a two-year trend. So now I have this kind of working theory that I want to write about more, which is like maybe two years, because I've I've bumped into a bunch of people recently who have told their two-year story, like yeah. how what did I do to transform in two years, and um, I wonder if I wonder if barber school is two years, but whatever, like yeah. you can make. A, I'll ask him. Like, He's listening. He's like my most. It's short little. enough that you can taste the end of it, right? Yeah. It's not like five years. Or yeah, yeah, years. sure. You, it's it's motivating. Yeah, it's highly motivating. Never for a single moment in that two year um, mission that I was on, yeah, did I ever waver and decide, oh, I bit off too much. This goal yeah. is too big. I can't do this. I was taking a train down here to Irvine for a job because I got a, I got a raise. I got a, a, a I took a different job that actually, um, in retrospect, was very minor, but it was meaningful enough at the time to increase in, increase yeah. my shorten my time horizon on that debt snowball that I was working on so I did it and it was like 3 hours of commuting every day and but you're it, committed I was like oh man I could taste victory I was like I, I'm this close to that engagement ring or to that yeah. you know, final credit card payoff that's huge I man people need to hear that because it, there's I think there's always this idea that like like regardless of where you're going to end up there's the same level of sacrifice that people have had to make, you know, mm -hmm. like, are there's some sort of thing you've had to bite off and bite down on and say, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to pull off. I mean, I've talked a couple podcasts ago. I talked about my fitness journey. When I came out here, I was stressed. I was overweight. And when I started making money, I started landing clients. Like I looked in the mirror, I was like, dude, you got to get rid of the stress off your body. You know, mm -hmm. like you've got to get rid of this. That's one of, that was like a turning point in the business. Did you have, and you had kids already? Yeah, I had kids yeah. and I, like they're getting active and getting fast. And I remember being at the pool and, you know, they're messing with you and popping me on the belly, you know, one day. And I'm like, dude, I don't want this fucking belly. <laughs> <laughs> they're not meaning to be jerks. They're just messing with me, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, dude, I don't like how I feel. Why am I breathing? You know, I just didn't, I was stressed. I went through so much stress that I almost like couldn't let go food for a little bit because I was like, and then I started making money and I was eating out again. Oh, yeah. You know, now I'm eating good. And, yeah, that's why I went through that whole thing where I was like, for two years, all I posted was fitness stuff. And I remember that's like the air. That's, yeah, I caught maybe the tail end. Yeah, and I don't post It's funny because like I'm in the gym four days a week now, and I don't post it. Now I'm in, I, yeah, I'm just, I do my, I do my workouts. It's for me now. I almost had to like document that process to like keep myself motivated 
um and now i don't like i was at the gym this morning like i just go to the gym you yeah know? just part of, it's, it's so just funny part, it's part dude i did that now. too I, jo- I joined i got in the gym um when i found out that we had a daughter on the way and because i had so many like i have really good i'm lucky i have i'm surrounded by good friends who give me good advice and i was always struggling with like should i have kids should we have kids yeah and one of my buddies who owned an agency a successful creative agency still does he told me that um, his revenue doubled or tripled when he had kids. Because, like, not only do you have a different... Uh, you know, like, I thought I was good at prioritizing before yeah. I had kids. Oh, like, man. No, now it's, like, it's forced. It's next level. And you're, you have a different level of motivation. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I started my business, moved house, got in the gym, and had a baby all in the same month. Yeah. Think, oh wow. I think that, happened. <laughs> or one, three, at least three of those four things happened all at the same time. Dude, that's crazy. But you have a, when you have a reason, then. Yeah, you no, know, it's kind of cool. Now the kids are older. It's funny. I was telling Michael earlier that my son's been like messing with me and calling me Josh. Like <laughs> he just <laughs> mess with me, and it, but we have very honest conversations in our house. I've talked about this before about like our parenting dynamic with that. And I showed them a picture of me really overweight when I moved out here. And because, like, they've kind of talked about it. They've asked me why I work out so much, why I was running so much. And I was like, Dad needs to be the healthiest version. Same kind of thing. Like, it wasn't like my wife was going to judge me or my family. But I knew if I'm going to be this type of entrepreneur, I was like, I want to go all the way of, like, a holistic approach of health and my well-being. I don't want to be the wealthy, pudgy guy that mm-hmm. they're all in Newport. And I'm not, like throwing stones but it's like i don't want to be that that's Mm -hmm. not what i want to be i want to be mind body soul spirit and understand how i am and i want and i know my best isn't this so that's i'm that's all and it was weird because fitness was weird because like and i love talking shit so i'd i'd be saying stuff or whatever kind of the classic fitness influencer at one point i was like do i become a fitness influencer like you know do i post (laughs) i was like no i don't want to go down that yeah the pendulum swung and you're like i'm fitness guy now yeah and now and it's crazy because i work out harder than ever and i don't document any of it but it's Mm. really just for me and the it's weird it threw me off when i started working out from a place of peace like because when i was working out i would think about like someone who didn't believe in me, a family member, my old boss, whatever. And now like, like last couple of weeks, I haven't even had headphones in and I'm like throwing up more weight than I ever have on the squat rack. And I'm just centered and I'm focused. I was like, this is what I wanted. I wanted to lift and I wanted to be at a place of peace and strength. And now I feel fucking invincible. You know, now I'm like, I'm not even talking shit. Like now I'm just internally, I just feel like I am the shit and I just keep it to myself. I'm just like, nah, this is just mine. And it's crazy because I still will grab my phone. Like I'll get off, you know, something or a big circuit. And I'll like, I literally have pictures that I haven't posted on my Instagram because I haven't posted fitness stuff in forever. And instead of like posting, I just keep it to myself. I'm like, nah, I'm just going to own this W today. And I feel like it's making me so strong because social media feels so informative. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep this private. And I'm just going to keep being great at what I'm doing, you know? And it's hard for me because it's not my personality. I love talking shit. Mm. But I've just been keeping it to myself. And I just feel like it's making me... I've never felt stronger, like, mentally, just by, like, having stuff offline for me. And I was doing, like, close friends with it. And I was like, no, I'm just going to... This is me. Like, I'm just going to be strong. And it's it's and it's and been cool showing my kids, like, dude, I literally showed... I put on a pair of pants the other day. I might post that picture soon. <laughs> like, That's it's great. a huge pair of pants. And they're so, like, they don't fit at all now. And it's, like, it was, like, a nicer pair of pants that I bought when I came out here when I, like, Mm -hmm. I needed nicer clothes. And, like, dude, they're big on me. (laughs) Like, they don't hold up. And I put them on the other day, and I was, like, kids, this is what dad used. This is, like, my first pair of, like, nicer pants I bought when I moved out here. And now they don't fit at all. And they were, like, 
they don't mean to be like so like oh dad you were you were you were pretty pudgy, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was. But I had to fix it. That was my, that's like a, that was a turning point in the company. It wasn't just a turning point in my life. It was a turning point in the company because I got leaner faster on every level because the systems changed, the organization changed, what I was eating changed. It streamed, I mean, it made me feel so fast on every single level. It was crazy. Love it. So crazy. Love it. Um, so we'll close out because we got. I gotta go take pictures of the car on my phone. I mean, on my phone, my camera. Um, I'm gonna drop a link in the description. Uh, Art for money. I'm gonna link his LinkedIn because he took great advice uh, from myself to be writing on LinkedIn, uh, and the articles are incredible. Art for money, Michael. Thank you so much. We'll do this again, and we'll do it up at your place next time or something. And I'll bring one of my rental cars. Bring up your there. sound panels. They're nice, dude. This is from <laughs> a client. I can get you some. This, I need them. It's pretty nice. Yeah, we're surrounded by sound panels right now. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe. uh, And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for joining, Michael.